0: Hi everyone, I'm Coach Mike and welcome to the second episode of the MindFit Method Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, last week's episode and this week, as promised, we are going to dive right into the science that shows why the MindFit Method works so well. Why is it that when you do high intensity exercise prior to learning that it enhances your ability to learn and retain information? So we are gonna dive right into this. Let's cue the theme song and we'll be right back. So the giant question is this, how do we as parents, teachers, school administrators, policymakers, coaches, how do we prepare our kids for a future that doesn't yet exist? All while making them healthier, more creative, more innovative, better problem solvers, and overall successful contributors to society that is the question and this podcast has the answers. My name is Coach Mike and welcome to the MindFit Method Podcast. Okay, so to start today, I just want to say this. uh, I don't want this episode to scare you guys off because I am going to get into a decent amount of science um, in regards to the MindFit Method, but this is not a uh, science-based podcast. So I don't want to scare you guys off, just work with me through this one, and it's going to help you understand a little bit too how exactly your brain works, what happens in your brain when you exercise, what chemicals are released in your brain. You've probably heard of some of these before, Uh, maybe not all of them, but there are eight specific neurochemicals that I want to talk about today, and then I want to talk about the mother of all neurofactors, which is called BDNF, which is literally like fertilizer for your brain. It makes your brain grow unbelievably. But first, let's talk about exercise-induced performance-enhancing neurochemicals. Did you guys follow that? Because that's a lot to say in one mouthful. Um, because there are neurochemicals that are released when you do exercise that actually pre- enhance your uh, neurocognition, your, your neuroperformance. So I'm just going to run through the eight that uh, are some of the ones that are, are probably going to stand out and just tell you a little bit about what you, each one of them does. The first one is glutamate. So when you exercise, glutamate gets released, and this is really responsible for the firing of brain signals. So the initiation or the the initiating of brain signals and electrical signals that go through your brain. From GABA, or from sorry, from glutamate, then we go to GABA. Um, GABA, interestingly enough, is kind of the, uh, the chemical that's responsible for controlling the glutamate because you can't just have a mass firing of brain signals. There has to be some type of a control put in place to manage those brain signals. So that's where GABA comes in. Uh, norepinephrine is another one that uh, absolutely gets released when you exercise. Norepinephrine, it helps provide more energy to the brain and the body, and it accre- increases your attention levels and your focus. Obviously, when you're trying to learn something, Focus is really important. You need to be able to focus what you're learning on. I am the king of this. I, you know, as someone who I know has undiagnosed ADHD, because I'm all over the place, um, it is a challenge for me to focus. And even when I was writing the MindFit Method, when I was writing the book, I remember sitting down at one point at a computer. And I had all these thoughts in my head. I had what the initial first 10 chapters, although it wound up being 17, what the initial 10 chapters were gonna be. And I sat down at the computer with all of these thoughts, all of this stuff that I needed to get out there that I wanted to say. And I just looked at a blank computer screen with the cursor just blinking on and off and on and off and thinking to myself, "I I don't know how to write this book. So interestingly enough, I didn't write my book, I spoke my book, and I used uh, an app on my iPhone and knew what I wanted to talk about, and then I would literally go and walk miles upon miles upon miles speaking my book. So as I'm doing that, norepinephrine was getting released, although it was low intensity exercise, I was still utilizing movement, And it allowed me to help my attention levels, help my focus, and really let me, you know, have the opportunity to take what was in my head and put it on paper. Um, And then I would just use another app to take everything that I spoke and move it right into uh, a Word document. Another chemical that gets released is endorphins. Endorphins actually increase your feelings of well-being. They do that by reducing pain, Uh, That's generally in response to some type of stress or some type of stressor. This is important because if you don't feel good, you don't want to learn anything, right? If you're miserable, if you're cranky, if you're having a really bad day, how well do you usually learn? Um, If you're anything like most people I know, it's probably not so well. So when endorphins get released when you exercise, and what's interestingly enough is endorphins get released because exercise is a stress or a stressor to your body. So when you exercise, the endorphins get released to allow you to exercise further and to make you feel like you're still okay while you're putting your body under the stress. So again, very important. Adrenaline also uh, gets released. And here's the funny thing about adrenaline. So if you've ever had a situation, a really, really stressful situation, something bad happened, maybe it was a car accident, maybe it was um, some really traumatic or stressful situation, Adrenaline was probably released during that moment uh, in time. And adrenaline actually helps the brain record very vivid long-term memories. For me, one of the things, and and I talked about this, I believe in chapter two of the book. For me, something that I know a ton of adrenaline must have been released is when my son Jason had a seizure. Because I can remember unbelievable vivid memories of that moment, of that, of even the moments prior to it happening. It's like it it took all my short-term memory and burned it into long-term memory. So adrenaline is something that um, really plays a role. And and if we can get adrenaline pumping, our retention of our memories is going to be so much better. The other thing that similar to endorphins, another chemical that is released in our body is serotonin. So the serotonin helps regulate mood, it helps regulate your happiness, your anxiety. Um, serotonin is very important uh, neurochemical in your brain. So important in fact that pharmaceutical companies have create drugs to help us manage and maintain our serotonin levels, increase them, decrease them to all, all different levels uh, you know, that, that are really required by our brain to help our mood and our happiness. It's something that is used to help people combat depression. So when you exercise and serotonin is released, now you're happy. So you have like almost like the the cocktail in a way of the endorphins and the serotonin that are being released together to help uh, balance your mood and and put you in a mood that again, primes your brain for learning. And the last one I'm gonna talk about before I get to uh, the fertilizer of the brain is dopamine. And dopamine can be something amazing that gets released uh, in your brain, but it's also something that can cause a problem. Dopini- dopamine, more than anything, it enables the neurons in your brain to communicate uh, and control movement. But it also very much uh, controls how you feel. It goes along with serotonin. And this is a good thing and a bad thing here's what I mean by this so dopamine is a neurochemical that when it's released makes you almost get a high makes you feel a certain way and there are good ways that this can be released but we can actually also in a way become addicted to dopamine even though it's something that's naturally released in our body there are ways that we get addicted to dopamine and I'll tell you what I mean so if you you're someone that does illicit drugs, if you gamble, if you drink alcohol in excess, all of those things actually produce a release of dopamine, as does exercise, interestingly enough. But there are other things that also release dopamine in the brain. And one may shock you, actually. One of them is the fact that when we use social media and we put out a post or we send someone a text, even not just social media but technology in general, when we get a response, whether it's a like on a social media post or a heart, or we get a subscriber, or we send out a a text to somebody and they respond back, we get a hit of dopamine. And as a society, we're getting a little addicted to the way this dopamine is constantly making us feel, which is not a good thing, um, but it can be something at the same time, again, if you're feeling good, that can put you in a great mood, in a great state, and a, and have essentially a primed brain in order to learn. Now, the last one that I want to talk about is called BDNF, Brain-Derived Neurotropic Factor. This is essentially the fertilizer of your brain. It actually enhances the growth and the maturation and the maintenance of your nerve cells and your brain cells. Which sounds crazy, right? We were always taught as kids that, you know, you're you're born with so many brain cells. And once you burn up all those brain cells, which, which, you know, however, our parents said we were going to, to, you know, destroy brain cells. I remember being told that I would destroy brain cells if I breathed in helium from a helium balloon so that I could talk really squeaky. But we were told that once you, you use up those brain cells, that's it. There's no coming back. And that is actually could not be further from the truth because science has shown in more recent years that our brains conduct, are able to do something called neuroplasticity neuroplasticity really comes into four different worlds and neuroplasticity is essentially the regrowing of brain cells Um, it's also the strengthening of the connections or the synapses between our brain cells so the first um, way that neuroplasticity happens is through something called neurogenesis and neurogenesis is essentially the creation of a new neuron in the hippocampus of the brain which is part of your brain Um, that is important for short-term memory formation. So neurogenesis is really important because it helps keep our short-term memory. After that, and I'm going to say this wrong, but there's something called dendrogenesis. And this is a little bit different. This is that the neurons actually generate new dendrites, which are the arms or the branches of of the synapses that are extending out from the neuron of the brain cell. This causes new neural, collection, uh, neural connections to form. This is really, really important, okay? Every time we learn how to do something new, we create new neural pathways and new uh, neural connections. Uh, that's how we, once you ride a bike, they say, you know, you know the saying, you know, it's just like riding a bike. Once you learn it, you know how to do it. There's a reason for that. We've developed that pathway. Well, when neuro, neuroplasticity happens and neurogenesis happens and we start, you know, generating new dendrites, which are new branches of, of the brain cells, it allows us to create, help create more connections, which is, again, really important. Um, then BDNF does something else. In neuroplasticity, it helps strengthen your uh, synaptic clef. And the synaptic clef is that essentially you know, brain cells don't touch each other. There are spaces in between our, our cells. That's, that's the synaptic cleft, And the electrical signals transfer in between the space of, uh, of these dendrites, of these synapses. And synaptic strengthening is really the overall strength of the synaptic connections, they, they increase. And this allows the connections to be stronger between the neurons. Why this is important is while neurogenesis affected short-term memory, synaptic strengthening helps to uh, enhance long-term memory. So when we talk about memory retention and learning, this is key. It's really important. And the lapse one is actually synaptogenesis. So this results in actually new synapses being created, which then allows for, you know, more sites essentially where electrical connections can occur between the brain cells and help connect with other neurons. So there are four different ways um, that neuroplasticity occurs. And BDNF, brain-derived neurotropic factor, literally, you sprinkle it on, on brain cells and it allows neurogenesis to occur. This is huge, and honestly, we are going to see more and more and more studies that start coming out about how BDNF really has a huge impact on our brain. Now, interestingly enough, when I first started all of my research on BDNF, you know, and again, this was years ago, suddenly over the last two or three years, I'm starting to see like ads pop up on Facebook, or on Instagram, obviously because of, of my searches, you know, talking about supplements that can, you know, increase your BDNF production. Well, I can't say if supplements actually increase BDNF production. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. I have not researched that yet. But what I can tell you is there is a lot of science and a lot of research that has been done that shows that exercise absolutely uh, increases BDNF production. So you have all these neurochemicals that get released that help manage your mood, they make you happy, they make you want to learn, they help your focus, they help your attention levels, all of these things... And then at the same time as exercise releases those, then it has an impact and it releases BDNF into the brain as well. And the best way I could describe this is, you know, think of a tunnel. And imagine the tunnel being four lanes wide, something like the Lincoln Tunnel. And, you know, if every car is moving through at 10 miles an hour and you are stacked shoulder to shoulder on cars, you can only get so many cars through the tunnel at one time because there's there's only so much room think of the cars as information so you can only get so much information into the brain at one time but the more synapses that you grow the more brain cells that you strengthen the connections of the synaptic clefts suddenly it's essentially like building extra tunnels in my initial example and it, which would, would then allow for more cars to go through so as you can see from a scientific standpoint There are so many reasons why we need to exercise prior to the learning process. It will have a profound effect on a child's ability to learn. And if you don't believe me, here's something you can try. So, I don't know about you guys, but my kids truly despise homework. I mean, truly despise. In fact, they will debate with me all the time that if the information that was being taught in class was too much, then they should adjust what's being taught in class. You should not have to do the homework. I mean, they get very, uh, you know, uh, animated and, and very adamant about the situation. But if you have a child that comes home, so they've been sitting in school all day, right? And maybe they get on a bus. And because bus routes are constantly being extended and extended and extended because schools are cutting their budgets for busing, you know, there are a lot of times where kids are on the bus for 45 minutes, even for just a, you know, 10 mile ride. They're on the bus for 45 minutes. So they've been sitting there and they've been sitting in the, on the bus after they've been sitting for six hours in school, except for a short stint at gym and a short stint at recess. But so many times if you go out on a, uh, on a school courtyard and you see what recess looks like, a huge percentage of the kids are actually sitting. They're not running around. They're not climbing on, on monkey bars. They're actually sitting. So the amount of sitting that occurs in a normal school day is probably 80, 90, of the school day add the bus uh, afterwards to that and then they're sitting again so if you're fortunate enough to have a child that plays sports after school then they're not sitting then they're active but if it goes on for hours and hours now you're exhausting the child you know just because of the amount of time spent in the activity so here's my challenge to you If, if to see to show you how this works if you have that child that, want, that comes home from school, does not play sports after school or doesn't have any activity after school, and comes home and you're trying to get them to do their homework and they won't do it. Put them through an eight-minute workout. So you're probably thinking, why eight minutes? And I will get into that in a future episode. But put them through an eight-minute workout. And by workout, I mean all body weight. You don't need equipment. Uh, you don't need, you know, fancy weights. You don't need fancy, um, you know, rowers or anything. Have them do, and for the purpose of this, I'm going to do this. Do eight minutes of the following workout. You're going to have them do five burpees. You're going to have them do uh, 10 squats, like air squats. And then you're going to have them do 15 sit-ups or hollow rocks, if you, if you know what they are. And just have them do that 10 fi- uh, 5, 10, 15 as many times as they can in eight minutes. Trust me, they're going to be tired at the end. And I strongly encourage you to do it with them so that you get a workout in as well. And then afterwards, let them rest for about five to seven minutes and then have them sit down and do their homework and see if they can get their homework done faster than they normally do. Because guess what? You just primed their brain for learning, right? First, you kind of woke them up because they've been lethargic. They've been sitting all day. Second, you had all these neurochemicals that suddenly get released in the brain because they began exercising. And third, now as they're primed, they're more focused, they are ready to learn, and maybe they had a little sprinkling of BDNF as well that occurred in the brain, have them sit down and do their homework. What you're gonna find is that they are most likely a lot more focused and they actually get it done and then they move on to the next thing. It isn't just the battle of getting them out of that lethargic state. Um, The only thing that can make that lethargic state even worse it's when a child comes home and the first thing they do is they jump on a computer, they jump on an iPad, they jump on an Xbox or a PlayStation, and then they start playing video games, which just makes them more lethargic. It actually makes them worse. Um, I've seen studies that are like, oh, but, you know, the kids are then using their brains to solve problems, but they're not active. Our bodies were not meant to be inactive. They are meant to be active. We were given legs and arms for a reason to move them. Um, so give that a try. And as I promised, I touched on the science today, but I don't want to get so deep into it that I lose you guys. So that was a really, really, really Reader's Digest quick snapshot version. The neurochemicals that get released in the brain and how you can use them to your benefit to help, uh, prime the the brain for learning. Um, next week's episode I hope you're really going to enjoy. And this one's actually a very personal one for me. I, I get asked the question all the time, where did the concept of mind fit come from? Why did you take two worlds that seemingly have no point in being together, meaning fitness and exercise, and then STEM education, and how did you put those two worlds together? What in the world possibly made you do that? And the really short answer to that question is that there are three different seeds to the MindFit method. Uh, There's a seed as to why exercise came into play. There's a seed as to why stem came into play. And then there's a secret seed that I'm going to talk about in a couple episodes as to how I brought it all together. So I hope you enjoy the next episode coming up. If you like this episode, please give it a like. Um, I would love for you to subscribe to my podcast. You know, we do this 100% for free. I'm not really trying to sell you anything in the podcast, but I want you to be able to utilize these methods and these techniques to be able to better help your child. um, And that's your child, whether you're a parent or you're a teacher, um, or honestly, it all works for you too. So as a parent, you can absolutely use the same techniques and find better focused and learning and memory retention for your job, if you're going for an advanced degree, or sometimes just to get through the day because of all the chores and errands that we do as parents. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. Have a fantastic day and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks everybody.